All right, well, it's great to be here with you this evening. Um, uh, first of all, I just want to thank you, sir, for, for allowing me to come and speak. Um, it's always a privilege uh, that should not be taken lightly, and it's, it's an opportunity that uh, should never be squandered. Um, and frankly, you calling me a preacher kind of makes me um, shake my head no. Um, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm very thankful to be here uh, and thankful for the opportunity uh, to be with y'all this evening. Um, real quick, let's go ahead and read our text. So for tonight, we're going to be in First John chapter three. First John chapter three, and I'll give uh, y'all a few minutes to turn there. I do not have fancy slides, um, so I do apologize. Um, but we will be in First John nonetheless. First John chapter 3, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to you right now in the name of your Son. We thank you so much for the ability to be able to come and worship you freely. Lord, we, we thank you for this, this ability, Father, and I pray that we don't take it for granted. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us. We thank you that, you have, that we have a copy of it. And Father, I ask that this evening that you would keep me from saying anything wrong and that you would keep me from error and keep me, remove me out of it completely. And Lord, I just pray that I would say what you want me to say, Lord. Use me if it be your will and bless this service. And Father, I also ask if someone's here that does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord. I pray that tonight will be the night that they place their faith in Him. Thank you for all you've done, Lord. And again, just bless us tonight and keep us safe here. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The last time I was here, uh, Brother Lester, I think it was three or four years ago. Um, And I wanted to touch on this real quick because I haven't really spoken to all of you at one time since then. Uh, But for those of you that were here, it was on a Sunday morning I came. um, I came in and I kind of told a little bit of something that had happened to me um, and and gave that experience with you. Um, It was an experience to where um, it was was almost a really bad accident that happened to me where I almost lost my life. Uh, And I shared that with you and how God allowed that um, incident to seemingly wake me up to things. Um, 
And so the reason why I bring that up is because I also wanted to share a little bit of a testimony with you real quick. Uh, my mom told me I only had 20 minutes. So um, I'm going to try to keep it fast. I want to share a little bit of my testimony before we get into the text, just so you kind of understand. I, I don't really like talking about myself, but I, I know that Paul talked of himself and what, the, what God did with, for him and how God changed him many, many times. So I want to bring out real quick. That time of my life was there was a lot of emotional things going on, emotions upon emotions. Um, years later, 2020, me and my family had moved up to New Jersey. That's when COVID happened. Um, so basically, my wife had to continue to go to work because she was in the medical career field, and I stayed at home with the kids. Um, during that time, uh, there was a lot going on, and I had doubted my salvation for a long time. I had doubted my salvation for many years. I had talked to um, many people about it, and something just couldn't, something just didn't click. Something wasn't right. Something was wrong. And I knew it internally. I knew it within myself. I said all the right words. I knew all the right answers about salvation. I could tell someone the gospel. I could tell someone how to be saved. I knew the facts, the intellectual facts of the gospel. Um, And I could answer those questions. I had been baptized four or five times throughout my life. If y'all don't know, my dad was a pastor. So I think I got baptized a few times then. And it it just spiraled out of control from there. Um, and everyone I talked to would say, well, the devil's just messing with you, putting doubts in your mind. Putting... But there was no change in my heart. There was no change in my life. There was no change in my desires. I could have sparks here and bursts here of spirituality, of going to church and, and reading the Bible. But there was no true change in my heart, and I knew it, which is why I knew something was wrong. I spent a few months looking at other things, examining Scripture, wondering if the Bible was even true, right? And I went through that time, and it was about four to six months of a time frame there where God allowed me to stay home and read and study the Word of God. There was many times I had to call my mom and <laughs> talk to my mom about my doubts of my salvation, uh, and she shared her testimony with me as well, which actually... We have a very similar testimony of how we came to faith in Christ. It wasn't, fast forward, I'm not going to go into all the details, but it wasn't until one day when I heard the gospel preached, I was listening to the gospel message. Not a truncated gospel, not a watered down gospel, but a, a, a pure gospel message. And it finally dawned on me that I had been trying so hard myself to say the right words, repeat the right prayers ask the right way, make sure I'm being humble enough, make sure I'm being sincere enough this whole time, when in reality, everything was already done, and I just had to rest in what Christ had done for me. During that time is when I came to faith in Christ. I truly placed my faith in in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I saw my sin for what it was. I saw my guilt before God and what I deserved. And I thank God that He gave me that time, that He allowed me to read the Scriptures, that, 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 that He worked on my heart, um, and that I was able to trust Christ as my Savior. After that, I was baptized, and um, since then, God has been doing uh, some wonderful things in me and my wife's life and in our family's life. Um, and so I just wanted to let you know that. And so that was in, the, in August of 2020. I remember that because it was my son's birthday uh, when, this, when this occurred. 
And I remembered running around the house, jumping up and down, saying, I finally get it. I finally understand it. It's already done. The work's done. I just have to rest in that. And Sabrina, my wife, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, what's going on? And so I, had, I explained to her what happened. Um, and so I just wanted to share that with you real quick. Um, so even though I came from a pastor's family, even though I came from a, a growing up in church my whole life, being in church every single time the doors were open, it didn't matter. Um, I, I hear things now, and I hear preaching now, I read scripture now, and I always ask my mom, why didn't I learn that? She's like, you did learn. And you just weren't listening, um, and I wasn't hearing. Um, but, but thank God for that, and, and thank the Lord that, that for his patience and his long-suffering Amen. with me, because there's many times um, where I shouldn't be here today. The, the, there's many times in my life that I won't go into that I shouldn't be here, so it's only by his grace that I'm even standing in, in front of you, um, especially with this opportunity um, to speak to you today. Um, but since that time, um, I've really begun to see the blinders. It's funny when you get saved, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, and you begin to see things differently. You begin to read Scripture differently, and I'm not talking about a charismatic way. I'm just saying... The Holy Spirit illuminates your mind to Scripture. It allows you to see your daily life through a different lens. Amen. And it's amazing what you start seeing and what you start noticing um, about the world, um, about what God has said about the world and what, what is happening in the world. I, they asked me for a title. And this is what I came up with. I'll be honest, I'm not much for titles, but if I had to title this, I would say living for what? What are we living for? What are we living for today? And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, or where you're at, or what's going on. What are you living for today? And um, we see the world around us. I mean, you watch the news every day. Banks are collapsing. Wars are happening. Um, I have an app on my phone which sends me news updates from around the world of just crazy things going on, and it's escalating. It's escalating, and it's growing, and it's growing. And sometimes I see Christians fearful. I see Christians begin to focus on these different things that are happening across the world, and it is important. We should be aware. We should always be aware of what's going on, but we cannot forget that we were told this would happen. We cannot forget that we should expect this. We should not forget that we should hope in this. As, as bad as it seems, as, as horrible as it seems, we know that we are moving one step closer to Jesus Christ taking us home and us seeing our Savior. Real quick, you don't have to turn there, but in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-4, through 4, it says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things, which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Isn't that that's beautiful? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, we, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And we're going to get into that here in First John in a minute. But what is our mindset? What is our daily life? How do you go about your day? Is God an afterthought? Is He something you wake up and have your quote-unquote quiet time with Him and then forget about Him the rest of the day? 
Is this how, I know how easy it is to get into a religious cycle where you do things because you've always done them that way. Or does your mind steadily stay on the things of God? Do you consistently think about things from a, through a spiritual lens? What are we living for? What consumes our thoughts? What consumes, what causes our concerns? And the fact of the matter is that we are living for another world. We're living for a hope that is yet to come. What joy, what peace this should bring knowing what is to come. We should be longing for heaven, heaven, longing to see our Savior and preparing ourselves for eternity. We need, to be, we need to start looking at everything in our daily lives through the lens of eternity and keep, as my dad would say, I don't know if he copied it, but keeping the main thing the main thing. Where is our focus? And so today as we, as we get into John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3, we see John here in kind of a, a pastoral way sharing his concerns for believers Verse 3, chapter 1, he says, Behold, meaning look, see, look what's going on. It's almost a, a feeling of amazement and astonishment. It's just not behold, right? Behold, look. It's look, look at this. See, see what's going on. Wake up. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. With excitement, with, with an, almost an astonishment and amazement, he says, he says, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. How great of a love is this? What manner of love is this? And in the Greek, when it says what manner, and y'all can, y'all can get me later, sirs, if I'm wrong, but um, what manner of love, part of the tra- uh, uh, a translation is that of what country, of what origin? And you can almost assume and seem that that is an out-of-this-world love. What kind of love do we have to compare this to? We have nothing to compare this to. The love that was bestowed on us from the Father. An everlasting love, a perfect love, a holy love, a righteous love, a love that we can't understand. And the fact is that the Father, that God, loves us more than anyone on this earth could ever love us. And I look at my son and my daughter, and I think of the love that I have for them. That I would give my life for my son or my daughter. I see that all the time. And to think that the Father has more love for us than I have for my son when I rebelled against him, when I was an enemy against God, when I was rebellious against God, when I was born in sin, and yet he loved us. It amazes me. And it's something that we will never be able to comprehend here on this earth in our fallen state with our flesh. We will never be able to understand truly the love of God until we are with Him in our glorified bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Love is an attribute of God, along with His, along with his justice, along with His mercy, His immutability, and so on and so forth. John 17, 23, Jesus praying for his disciples, us, the ones who would be saved because of his, lo- his disciples there that you were talking about this morning, sir. 
he says, he prays and says, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus was praying to the Father for us and says, thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. He was comparing, he was saying that the love of the Father for the Lord Jesus is the same love that he has for us. Loved us the same way. What manner of love, or how, how great of love, the Father hath bestowed upon us, lavished on us, poured out on us. Let's talk about us. Who are we? This wonderful love that He's poured out through Christ, through His plan of salvation. I'm going to take a little side note, a little side trail here this morning. This morning was so refreshing. And I say that because since we've been back in Texas for a few months, we have visited around seven different churches. And that was after going online and filtering through 20, I mean a lot of churches. And the ones that we, we seemed were, were biblically sound online, we went to and they were, they were far off. And I didn't really realize until we got back to Texas of how many churches have gone away from the, the, from, from the Bible, have gone away from a biblical structure, have gone away from a Christ-centered focus and a gospel-centered focus. And so this morning, it was, just so, it was so refreshing to hear a focus on what Christ has done and glorifying Him and glorifying His work. And this love that, that was poured out on us sinners, broken, this love that was poured out on us when we were, at, we were enemies with God, we were sinful, we were wretched, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, going our own way, wandering blind, ignorant to the truth, undeserving, born in sin, lovers of ourselves, and corrupt. This love was poured out on us. That is who it was poured out on. There was nothing lovable about us. We have nothing to offer God. We had nothing to offer. Just as the song says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We have nothing to bring. And yet, the Father chose to pour out His love in Christ to us. And as we go on, that we should be called the sons of God. It could have been enough that He pardoned us. It could have been enough that He forgave us. It could have been enough that we were justified before the Father, clothed in Christ's righteousness. It could have been enough that we were saved from hell, that we were saved from the penalty of sin. But not only that, we were adopted into the family of God. We, the Father adopted us. Imagine going before a judge. And you're declared righteous for the merit of another. You're declared righteous. You're declared pardoned, forgiven. He could have just let us go, but instead that judge takes that criminal and adopts that criminal into their own family and loves them just the same. That is what has been done for us. And we've been adopted into the family of God. 
and as sons, as children of God, as, and by the way, there's also, there's also teaching and there is theology that states that everyone is a child of God. Everyone is, everyone is, are God's children, and that's not true. Everyone is a creation of God, but we are not all God's children. It's very clear that those who place their faith in Christ are adopted into the family of God, must be born again, born again into the family of God. This love that was bestowed on us was through Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. He went willingly. As we we discussed this morning, He was in control of everything from the moment He set foot on this earth. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, because of this, because the Father hath poured out His love on us, because we have been adopted into the family of God, because we are children of God, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. This morning was brought out again that we feel out of place in this world, and we should feel out of place. We should feel out of place. This world does not know us. The scripture here says, therefore the world knoweth us not, meaning it knows who we are and might know our name. It might know some factual information about us. I mean, the internet knows everything about each one of you, right? Kidding. But the world knows factual information about us, but it doesn't understand us. It doesn't understand Christians. The world doesn't understand us. It can't understand us. We're big question marks to the rest of the unsaved world. They don't understand why we act how we do or the way we should act. They don't understand. They don't understand why we assemble every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night. They don't understand why we do the things we do. They don't understand. A lot of them can't fathom why you would give your money to a local church. Many of them don't understand why we teach our children the Bible. Many of them don't understand why we try to keep our kids uh, associated with Christian organizations. And as was read this morning in 1 Corinthians 1.18, that the, gospel is, the, the, the message of the cross is foolishness. They don't understand us and they can't understand us. And as I said, it's becoming harder and harder to find. <clears throat> it's becoming harder and harder to find Christians holding to the standard of not allowing the world to understand them. And what I mean by that is we shouldn't make an effort to fit into the world just so they can understand us, so we can be accepted. Christians trying to be attractive to the world, churches compromising the truths of Scripture to appease the crowds and the worlds. Many of the places me and we visited since we've been back, honestly, has been heartbreaking to me because I didn't realize how rampant all of these things were. I didn't realize how rampant things were that were happening. Most of what has kept me and, and my family from joining certain churches or being part of a certain church is because the, of 
the irreverence for God. And I'm not up here as a legalist. I'm not up here saying that you need to do it this way and that way. I'm not saying that lights and all these other things. I'm not that kind of a person. But what I am saying is that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. And this morning when we were singing the hymns that we were singing, when I was a kid, uh, I never paid attention to the words of the songs. I never paid attention to, to anything that, that was said. I just sang the songs. But when you slow down and you read the words to music, if it's God-honoring, if it's scripturally based, it's worship. Amen. And what I was seeing wasn't that. I was seeing a huge production I was seeing a, 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 a feeling of emotion more than worship. I saw a feeling of emotion more than anything else. And as soon as you turn on those lights and stop the music, what happens? Everyone fades back to their original state. And I'm not saying that all of that's bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you replace... Scripture and song and worship with unscriptural songs and unscriptural worship, it has an effect and it has an impact. On the other hand, does the world understand you? If it does, you might want to take a survey of yourself, just as I have to every day. It's easy to fall into with the world, to, to try to fit in, to try to make them understand us. It doesn't matter what age you are. Normally, you would talk to a, a youth group about, you know, well, tell your friends are, don't, don't try to fit in with the crowds. It doesn't matter what age you are. It happens at every single age. It happens at every single age, and it's easy to fall into. And sometimes Christians are dead set on trying to make the world understand them, and that's just not the case. This is why church is important. This is why congregating as a local assembly of baptized believers is important because we all have the same line of thinking. We all think the same. We all worship the same God. This is why it's important to come together, to fellowship. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. We went over that this morning. They rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected him. They chose Barabbas. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't see him for who he was. They didn't recognize him as being the, the Savior. Verse 2, beloved, a term of endearment, beloved. Now are we the sons of God. It's nothing that we have to wait for. Our sonship, being part of the family of God, is nothing that we have to earn. It's nothing that we have to wait for. It's not like, okay, you're going to be a Christian down here on earth, and then when you get to heaven, then you can be part of my family. That's not the case. That's not the case. Now we are sons of God, and with that comes rights and privileges as such. Our hearts can cry, Abba, Father. We can go directly to the Father. Now we are sons of God. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
But we know that when, we sh- when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We don't know exactly how things are going to be when we're taken home with the Lord. We don't know exactly how we're going to interact with each other. We don't know exactly what our bodies are going to look like. But we do know that we will be in a glorified state. We do know that, that, that our bodies, we will have glorified bodies. We, we do know that we will be free from sin. Right now, we, if you're saved in this room, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're free from the penalty of sin. You're free from the power of sin. And one day you'll be free from the presence of sin. No more struggling, no more fighting sin, no more warring with the flesh. No more going, no one struggling and having to go and, and confess our sins uh, and to the Lord and, and going over this. No more fighting, no more struggling. Free from the presence of sin, glorified bodies. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One little part right there, but we know, but we know that when we, then he shall appear, we shall be like him. How important is it to differentiate between our emotions, our feelings, and what we know? I was always looking for a feeling. I was always looking for an emotional peace when I would come to church or songs I would listen to, trying to listen to certain music to try to get some type of feeling of peace or emotional peace. That was me. That's what I did. Sometimes I feel like God isn't near me. Sometimes I feel like he's a million miles away. Sometimes I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling and not going anywhere. That's how I feel. And as a Christian, that can be detrimental to us because we do tend to go with our feelings. But what we need to do is focus on the truths of Scripture, what we know, the verities of the Scripture, the truths of Scripture, and focus on those and hold fast to that. What do we know? But we know that when, we, when He shall appear, so we know that He will appear. And we know that we, will, we shall be like Him. We know that. And we also know that we will see Him as He is. We won't see him as a little baby in a manger. We won't see him as a carpenter from Nazareth. We will see him as King of kings and Lord of lords. We will see him as the God he is. It amazes me how media, television shows, pictures... And all these other things try to portray Jesus as a victim. As somebody who can't hold his own. Of someone who has been taken advantage of. A weak person, a weakling. But he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the champion of our salvation. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And he's coming back for us. Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope 
in him, Jesus Christ, purifieth, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man that hath this hope in him. Not every single person on earth, but everyone who is saved. Everyone who is looking for the return of Christ to take us home. Everyone who is focused on that. Everyone who is saved, who is a Christian, hath this hope in him. <clears throat> this this uh, confident assurance of him coming back to get us. Of his appearing. Everyone who has this hope, everyone who's looking to that, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Our motivation, our focus should be expecting our Savior and living our daily lives according to that expectation of Him. It should be our lens of our daily life. Our needs, we need to be based on who we are in Christ and awaiting Him. We have an active role in this. We're not robots. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. We're given a new heart. We're regenerated. We have new desires. We desire the things of God. We have a longing for Him. But we still battle the flesh. And we're not robots. God is not going to force you. You're not going to sit there like a puppet and He's going to move your mouth around and make you obey Him. He'll correct you. He'll discipline you to the point. But we play an active role in this. We are to purify ourselves, yeah. waiting, awaiting His return. And we cannot make excuses for our sin. Not in a legalistic manner. I went through that phase. I'll be honest, I did. I went through that phase to where I thought every standard, every rule, everything that was told to me was a legalistic Man established standard. I went through that. The shirt, the tie, the coat, all these things, right? Or a suit to church, all these other things. I used to think that that was something that was expected because of a denomination that I was in. Or I had to sing a certain song because of a denomination that I was in. Or, or a, a sect of Baptists that I was in. That is not the case. Now I realize that the songs we sing, and I'm not just not talking about these hymn books, and I'm not making this about music. I'm just using it as, as an example. The songs that we sing, again, should be focused on the Lord and scripturally based. Regardless if they're in that book or someone else writes them today. They should be scripturally based and scripturally sound, doctrinally sound. But I used to think that, oh, this is just a, a rule. Or the way I dress, I thought it was just a rule. If you're going to sing in the choir, you're going to have a tie on. Why? Uh, because, right? And I'm just being honest with you all. But why? It's because we're here for the Lord. It's because we're here for Him. And what one preacher put it this way, and I, I agree with him, um, and it, it kind of got to me a little bit. Um, but if I was going to go to a meeting with the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, how would I talk to them? How would I present myself to them? How would I act with them? And you start to think about that, and it's like, well, I'd probably say, yes, sir, no, sir. I'd wait for the door to open. I'd, I'd be very respectful and reverent. And, and then what we see in church, where we are supposed to have the most reverence, 
So we are to purify ourselves based on this hope, looking for Christ's return for us. We were to meet him in the clouds. We must live our li- our live. We must live with our eyes set on eternity. The lens with which we view the world, raising our kids, raising our grandkids, the choices we make, our witnessing efforts, must be with eternity in view. The world is bad now. The world is getting worse, and it's not going to get better. I'm not trying to throw any type of like fatalistic ideas or anything like that out there. We should still continue to pray for revival. We should still continue to pray that the Lord will work and He will do His work. But we know from Scripture that, that sin will continue to multiply, it will continue to abound. But it's not a time to circle the wagons and huddle inside of a church building only. There's gospel that needs to be spread. There's people that need to be saved. And there's truth that needs to be expounded on to the public. If there was ever a time, regardless of how old you are, how young you are, if there was ever a time to share Christ, it's now. Our hope is fixed in Christ. Our hope is fixed in the Lord. Again, this morning, it was a refreshing thing to hear the gospel proclaimed. This morning, it was very refreshing. And when you think about what manner of love the Father has bestowed on you in your life, Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of when you got saved. Remind yourself of when that light bulb went off. And you remembered. Remember that. Remember when, when the Lord saved you. Remember when you came to faith in Christ. Remember when you realized that you have nothing to offer and that the work is finished. The work is done. Focus on that. Focus on what he's done for you. Oftentimes in our lives, we may feel like we get colder, numb almost. That's when we should go back and remember what he's done for us. Remember our hope that we look to. And I have many more notes, but we're out of time. One more thing I want to say is as children of God, we are heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. You don't have to turn here, but I'm just going to say 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. He's writing to the believers here. Blessed be the God... And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 
that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, than perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, and ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. We have much to hope for. We have much to look forward to. Focus on that every day and keep that the center of your life. Thank you, sir.